Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to The Suitcase and The Scribe with award-winning journalist Scott Burnside and former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside here, back for another edition of The Suitcase and The Scribe. Mike McKenna. Mike, I'm surprised you're even sitting down. I know you're so excited. We're a couple weeks out from the playoffs now. Everything is happening, if I can steal a line from uh, legendary broadcaster Bob Cole. But there, stuff is happening all over the league. Uh, playoff races, angry teams and players, coaches staying. It's, it's, a, it's a great time. It's a great time to be alive, my friend. It's a great time for drama. It's not a great time for a lot of players and people within the sport because it's always so much upheaval. <laughs> yeah. And we're really going to see it play out. I mean, you know, last night being Tuesday in the NHL, there was what 14 games and a lot on the line. And you can't really just look at one game to define a season, but it always feels so magnified when you get close to the end and teams are in a playoff race, Yeah, you know? So I mean, we're at the point now, Scott, where all eyes are on the West and to see what, how it plays out between realistically four teams at this point. I mean, Vegas, Nashville, um, Dallas, and L.A. are basically fighting for three spots. So, yeah. And all the teams played last night. It sets the table for lots of interesting hockey talk and for a lot going down the stretch here because now we're under 10 games. Yeah, that's- And we're really seeing who can do it. Yeah. I I wonder as a player, like, you know, when you, to me, there's always, you know, there, there are lines of of demarcation during a season, you know, the holiday break, certainly the trade deadline is always one that starts the official, you know, unofficial stretch run. But when I look at the standings and I see teams within 10 games. So to me, that's, that's real. And I wonder as a player, especially if you, you, as you mentioned, you know, those Western teams in the other, you know, I mean, Winnipeg and Vancouver, Vancouver, huge win last night, still hanging around, still hoping against Hope and Nashville, even though they won again last night. And I, I like them positionally uh, vis-a-vis the playoffs, but they can't afford to take their foot off the gas. As a player, when you're inside 10, are you like, are you looking at the standings every day? Are you doing what's what's that like? I was, uh, and I know you recently spoke to some other players. Rich Peverly is a good example. Yeah. My old teammate from St. Lawrence and um, teammate in Milwaukee in the American Hockey League, now working for the Dallas Stars in their front office. And he was the same as myself. We were watching the scoreboard all the time, or the, the standings, I should say. And yeah. 
you constantly have this pit of like nervousness in your stomach for a week and a half, two weeks, if you're on the bubble, you know, and, and even like, even let's say you're a team that's not in playoffs, you still have that nervousness because you're just excited for it to be over, <laughs> you know? And, you know, for someone like me that moved around as much, it's like, man, I, I can't wait to pack the U-Haul and get out of here. Yeah. And that's the way it was when you didn't have a residence in the state. It's true. It's true for a lot of NHL players. They return home to wherever that may be in the summertime. And sometimes you look forward to that. So um, it's a different dynamic though. When you're, when you're in a hunt and when you're in a fight, boy, it's, it's heightened senses. You can feel it at the rink. Everybody's talking around the coffee maker in the morning. It's a different feeling, Scott. And you've been around long enough and been around teams in a close proximity I'd imagine that you've seen some of this firsthand. Yeah. You know, it's what I, I was thinking about it. And, and, you know, as I repeat often here, I do provide content for the Carolina Hurricanes periodically. But I was in, I remember being in Raleigh, uh, you know, stretch run. You know, I think maybe 10 games, 12 games left um, in the 18-19 season. So they'd miss the playoffs for a decade. And team was good, but, you know, they hadn't locked anything up. And just to be around them, just as they continued to, you know, it was uh, Rod Brendan Moore's uh, first year, right? 1920. Well, yeah, first year. Yes. Four straight years in the playoffs now under Rod Brendan Moore. But that, I just remember being around that team and knowing, you know, so a lot of the guys, you know, guys like, you know, Captain Jordan Stahl. Um, Who's playing phenomenal right team. now as an yeah, aside. I'm trying really to remember quick. whether Justin Williams was back there or not. No, I don't think he was. But anyway, guys that have been around and understood what it meant to miss the playoffs year after year after year and to be that close to it, um, it was really, it, it was exciting and really emotional, right? You, you know, I mm-hmm. remember the clip of, I think it was Peter Mrazek who got the win that clinched the playoff berth. You know, like tears of joy. Like it's, you know, it's real stuff. So, and then of course they go on to an Eastern Conference final, which, you know, goes back to your point. If you're a team on the bubble, and and I want, I'm curious how you handicap the West right now. But like, if you're a team like Vegas, like they, you're good, you could run out of runway. And in spite of all that they have there, they may miss the playoffs. But they are definitely a team. If you get in the door, I know it's a cliche. Everyone, you know, anything could happen. But for that team, yes, anything could happen. I think the same of Dallas, frankly. You know, they're, they're a weird team, lots of ups and downs in there, but they're a team two years removed from a Stanley Cup final appearance. They're a team that I think truly you can say anything could happen. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. If you can get your foot in that door, it, truly anything is possible. And that, I mean, you, you know that. The players must feel that too. Yeah, and I, I constantly see all these projections with – percentages on whether a team can make it or not. And I really think that people have become so overly analytical that they live and die by these things. Like, you know, Vegas six days ago, I think had a 30% chance of making it. And everybody was, ah, sell it's over. And I I kept saying, no, like you guys don't understand the teams can fall off a ledge, man. Like I was on a team in Dallas and you were there for this Scott as well. Like I think we lost eight straight games. Yeah. And we were in the playoff fight when I showed up in Dallas in, I believe that was late February to early March. And I was there for just over maybe a month or a month yeah. and a half. And, you know, Ben Bishop gets hurt. And for whatever reason, the team couldn't 
we weren't scoring, you know, yeah. Kari Lettinen was playing frankly too much and they, Ken Hitchcock wouldn't put me in the cage in a playoff run, which I understand. I mean, that's par for the course when you're paying somebody seven times what I was making, that's what happens. Um, but we fell off and we didn't make it. Yeah. And that's a great example of what's happening now in the West that if LA, Nashville, or Dallas stumble, Vegas will take this. Vegas is going to continue to get points. Last night they had Mark Stone in the lineup. Max Pacioretty was in the lineup. Yeah. The Braden McNabb, Alec Martinez, like that's pretty close to a full lineup. The salary cap lawyers and workers for the Vegas Golden Knights deserve extra lamb sandwiches at Easter because I have no clue how they've managed to finagle the cap and get players into the lineup using LTIR and everything else. But again, if Vegas makes it in, all bets are off. I don't know if they're a Stanley Cup contender, but they could win a round or two. Like the unknown is real and it's a hard team to predict. You get a team like that that's just kind of coming together at that time. Like how do you pre-scout it? It's really difficult. You could only go on systems, not on players. So it's this time of the year is just, it's fascinating, Scott, because you really see the true colors of people come out. Well, and I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned that Dallas, that run and, and I don't know, whatever the number was. I remember they, I believe it was eight games, eight win an eight game winless stretch. I believe a road trip, six straight losses. And it's, and then what's interesting, and, and, and we'll, you know, we'll bring it back, because there are some teams that are a bit sideways now. Some of them are in the East and sort of locked into playoff spots. But um, it, I was amazed at what happened almost every night as that streak went along in, in Dallas. And I think they were like an 80% lock to make the playoffs at the start of that winless streak. And when it, at the end, it was 2% and they were cooked. And it, and you're right. It just, and every night you could feel something was going to happen. Some, I I remember being in Toronto. Do you, maybe, I don't know if you remember this against the Leafs, they were up late. I believe the Leafs tied it with 15 seconds to go. They Dallas loses six, five in overtime. It was not a great night. Nope. I remember it well. And I remember, you know, I think, I can't remember whether that happened in Dallas or in Toronto. It may have actually happened on home ice in Dallas. And then we had a team meeting in Toronto the next day, I want to say. Yeah. Because it was very contentious. So maybe it, whatever the time frame was, yeah. um, Ken Hitchcock wasn't happy with us. <laughs> and the team was kind of in shambles because we could feel it too. Yeah. Uh, and it reached a fever pitch. Like that was the moment I looked around the room and I said, there's no way Ken Hitchcock's coming back next year. Yeah. You know, I, and you get these gut feelings as a player. It's like, man, this is, this is way too intense right now. Even though I, I understand why it's like this, I understand why players are upset, why the coaching staff's upset, why everybody's butting heads, but you could just feel it. Like this time has run out. This is not working and it continued to not work. <laughs> so um, it's a great example, but like, I, I always think about this. Imagine being a player who never played in playoffs and then suddenly getting a chance like a Ron Hainsey yeah. with yes. like he did with the Pittsburgh Penguins and won a Stanley Cup in 2017. Like how that's a person who played more than a decade in the NHL, yeah. never sniffed playoffs. Okay. Blue Jackets, Thrashers, Jets, even the Hurricanes during their down years, goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins, wins a Stanley Cup, goes to the trade deadline. And man, how excited would you be 
You know, you're just so used to lose, like just season's over, going home. Like, and yeah. it's hard to make playoffs. There's 32 teams in the league. Half of them don't even make the dance, Scott. It's not easy. And there's always good teams that don't make it. Yeah. So but I, that's not good enough in that in the NHL. <laughs> no. I, so, okay. I want to talk because, I mean, you talk about, you, we've talked a little bit, sort of alluding to, you know, Ken Hitchcock didn't come back in Dallas. And, yep. and you know, the coaching landscape is going to be uncertain in this coming offseason. But I, I, I'm curious, and then I, Pierre Lebrun always accused me of having Stockholm syndrome, but I, I had felt slightly guilty after talking to Todd McClellan and writing the piece on the Kings. And I didn't guarantee they were in a playoff spot, but they, I, they beat Chicago last night, but I think they lost three in a row after the piece ran out. And you and I, I know you love the, the Kings as a sort of a dark horse team, but so they're in the, they're in that, you know, sort of log jam. Okay, who, what's it look like to you? How do you, you know, well, two weeks from now, I think it might be the last day of the regular season when we tape two weeks from now, but give or take at the end of, of April 27th or 28th, what's the West look like? What's your, what's your crystal ball tell you? I still think that Vegas is on the outside looking at, um, yeah. LA last night looked better. Dustin Brown gave him a shot of energy. Um, and they, they look predetermined. I thought the Kings did. I still question their goaltending and people think I'm crazy because it's Jonathan quick. And, but I, I don't think it's at the top end of that division. Um, but when LA gets it together, they're pretty good. And they've got a really easy schedule from here on out. The quality of opponent isn't very good. Like they had to beat Chicago last night. Like you yeah, can't throw that out the window. Yeah. Um, but you saw that across the board. Like, dude, Dallas beat Tampa one nothing last night. Yeah. Okay. And Scott Wedgwood and that. And there were some good saves either way. It wasn't a high volume, high danger chance game, but dude, he shut out the lightning. Okay. Yeah. To put his to get his team two points. Uh Rope Hints was a monster for that club last night. And Dallas is just so Jekyll and Hyde. I still think they make it. They've got the talent there. Nashville played great last night. Um, again, all, they won as well in a one nothing overtime game. So, like, the teams that make it can play defense. And that's where you kind of worry about L.A. The defense hasn't been there. The goaltending's been at a 9-0-9, I think, of the season. And Vegas is just – I know people say they have an easy schedule, but, man, they still face some Titans here. They've got – eight games left, four of them are against big dogs. Like yeah. you're looking at Calgary, Edmonton, uh, St. Louis, and I think Dallas is in the mix. Like that's not easy. Even if you grab your layup games, you know, and you can't lose to Vancouver. So I think it's just going to be too much for Vegas to be able to overcome. I really do. Um, but who knows, dude, if one team just doesn't win, <laughs> well, that's I think it. They're right. do, you, do you think, do you have the same feeling? Do you think anybody else could, because I had LA picked as a, I had LA picked as a bubble team this year to make playoffs and they're kind of right there where I thought, who, what do you think? Well, I'm, and it's, it's interesting because I'm just looking at the King schedule. They're in Colorado tonight, but then they've got Columbus, Anaheim, Chicago, Anaheim again, Seattle, and then Vancouver. Um, by then, you know, Vancouver's been, it's, they're a great story, but I think they're going to run out of runway. So you're, you're right. I, I, again, no Drew Doughty, which is, you know, it looked initially like he might get back for the end of the regular season, but that's not going to happen with, no. uh, with his injuries. He's, he's done for the season. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, this is the great part about it. And, and you're right. You know, when you play, you know, Vegas has better teams, but what if, you know, Edmonton didn't look very good at all last night in losing to Minnesota five, one, um, 
you know, like you're right. Like what we we sort of assume Edmonton's going to be in. They played very well. You know, I assume Mike Smith will get another chance to assert himself as a starter. He's been good. Koskinen was okay, but you know, lost last night. What if the Oils lose four in a row? All of a sudden, now we're you know we're not talking necessarily about the Kings. You know, can Vegas catch the Kings? Is can Vegas catch Edmonton? I I don't know. I, I love yeah, it. I, I'm with you. The, they're five nah. points different. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm not Joe Analytics, but I do know that when you have fewer games left, um, you know you look at the competition, and yeah, it, it does. It Dallas should be in the playoffs, right? They yes. should. That, that's what it should be. So they should. And, and can we just like let's marinate on that Minnesota Edmonton game for a second here? Yes. Listen, I I don't know. I had a hunch yesterday that I thought. Minnesota was going to wipe the board on Edmonton. I just felt like that. Like Edmonton had been running hot, like really good streak. I thought they were due for a regression and Minnesota is a team that can bring it. So I thought that might happen. And man, Koskinen allows a goal from just a terrible goal from the goal line. Fialo scores. He gives away the whole upper net. He's the smallest six, six goalie on earth. Sometimes (laughs) it just is mind boggling, man. Like that he continually gets beat in these places and he's won games. Like he's done well, but it's like these crusher goals. Anyway, everything went to hell at center ice. And, you know, you get Kaprizov gets involved. He's cross-checking a guy, and then he gets it back from, uh, I can't remember who it was for Edmonton. It might have been Bouchard or Yamamoto. One or two, yeah, but I think it was Yamamoto. Yamamoto. So what ends up happening, though, is that Evander Kane gets involved. He goes after Kaprizov, which, of course, sent Ryan Hoffman, or Hoffman, sorry, Ryan Hartman's wires crossed. Or what a scene. Like punching over the linesman, Ryan Hartman gives it the stone cold middle finger to him. You can see he's screaming at Evander Cade, and I'm just I love this man. Like, and I I really love that the highlight packs didn't shy away from it. Yeah, you have to show this passion and emotion on the ice. Big deal. He gives him the finger. Like, really, is that going to hurt anybody? It's a finger, you know. But I don't know, man. I just I see that Minnesota team fighting for one another. Yeah, You know, like Caprizov's engaged. Here comes Hartman in. Here comes the Calvary. Zach Zuccarello's sticking guys. Like, And you know why they can do it, Scott? Because they got like, a nuclear deterrent now in Delaria. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, they, it, you know, I mean, the whole, the swagger on that team. So I'm curious, because right now, we'll just check the handy-dandy standings, but uh, right now it does look like, we're pretty much locked into St. Louis, Minnesota. Just checking here, 96, 96. Yes. That's a safe bet. I think it is. Safe bet now. Yeah, there are seven points up on Nashville now. So I was looking because I'm uh, my trusty calculator this morning. 15, 2, and 3 combined record over the last uh, 10 games for St. Louis and Minnesota. St. Louis comes from behind, beats a good Boston team. Ville Husso gets a win last night. Tori Krug back in the lineup, scores a power play goal for the Blues. Like, honestly, there are going to be eight unbelievable series to start the playoffs. But that St. Louis-Minnesota series, because honestly, I believe both those teams are capable of dislodging Colorado, you know, with all due respect to whoever the Avs play in the wild card. That second round series in the central, to me, look at me projecting. Uh, like both St. Louis and Minnesota, I think have the absolute makeup 
to, to dislodge Colorado. And I think that's the big question in the West. Who can beat Colorado? Fair enough. What do you make of that Blues Wild? And the Blues have owned the Wild, right? Like, go back to mm-hmm. Winter Classic. And that series would be, man, you better bring it every night in that series because it's oh, yeah. going to be great, great theater, great drama. Well, I'm hoping for it because I plan on being in the building for every game in St. Louis. <laughs> um, I, I will say this. I think Minnesota has been consistent for longer stretches this year than St. Louis has. Yep, definitely. And, and I think especially since trade deadline, Minnesota's been a wheel for a while, whereas St. Louis has to get hot, and they've been hot lately, and they've been healthier. Having crude back, crude back helps a lot. Nick yeah. Letty has been, has been a great pickup for that club, and he's short up defense just like they expected. He's played with Pareko. He's played with Falk. He's played all up and down their decor, yeah. um, and has helped them. So I, I think Minnesota's built more for the long haul in terms of how I viewed their kind of their trajectory this year. Like St. Louis has just at times completely forgotten how to play defense or how to work for whatever reason. Um, and Minnesota really hasn't deviated from that a lot by comparison to me. Either of those teams can beat Colorado though. If St. Louis is hot, they can beat anybody. Minnesota right out right now can beat anybody period. Yeah. And, you know, Colorado's health is going to matter for me when it gets to a playoff series, you know, if, if you're yeah. missing anybody, Landis Gog hasn't started the skate yet. So, Audrey, yeah. McK- I mean, even McKinnon's been hurt a couple times. It's like, I, I have worries with Colorado that way, but I think those series are just so compelling. Like, because yeah. big, heavy teams that are built to win, man. It, it's, I like the West more than kind of more than the East right now because I think it's just, I, I think it's going to be a little bit heavier, I guess. Whereas the East is, I'm sure it'll be good hockey, plenty of highlight reels, but. The West is yet to be won, <laughs> and it's much like it's much like the coaching carousel that we've seen. Who's going to win that this summer? <laughs> and I know that that's um, something that you've dug in deeply. You had a great article on Daily Faceoff recently, looking at the landscape of the coaches around the NHL. And I mean, it's not like any other year, Scott. There's there's a decent number of coaches that are on the hot seat, isn't there? Yeah. Well, I think there were 11 coaches on expiring deals of some kind, you know, a number of teams had options to return their coaches, uh, but there were 11 coaches, you know, as we were heading down the stretch, who, who didn't have a deal for next year. And Dallas Aikens in Anaheim. Um, I, I'm not really surprised that uh, Pat Verbeek, the new GM there has, is going to bring Dallas back for another run. Um Listen, the Ducks, it's disappointing for them, right? I mean, they had it, you know, the first half of the season, maybe first third and a bit, looked very much like a playoff team. Lots going on there. And, um, you know, it was a lot of tumultuous um, activity, right? You know, Bob Murray is, is forced out after internal reports on his behavior. And um, Pat Verbeek comes in midstream, does a, you know, I thought he did a great job, but, you know, selling off Ricard Raquel, Josh Manson, Hampus Lindholm um, team, just, it, it, they just, <laughs> they took a huge step back. I think so. there was a lot of false hope at the start of the year that I bought into as well, <laughs> yes. because I thought the young players were really carrying it and they were on the right trajectory and they got midway through the year and it all went away. Yeah, it just it just goes. And sometimes it happens, right? But I'm glad yeah. Dallas Akins is going to get another shot. Hey, I think he's a great teaching coach. I think I, I think you've seen it already in the kind of season that Troy Terry's had and Trevor Zegras. 
there are a lot of, I, I really like that team and mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they're fun I, to watch I'm with you. Falto. <laughs> yeah. But, they're fun we, to watch. And I think he's, I mean, Dallas Eakins to me is kind of at that stage though, where the team, you, you can't just keep losing though. No, you know, like they, they need to be competitive again next year, even in the midst of a rebuild or else you're going to kind of get into the Jeff Blaschel territory. Yeah. And I don't think that's where you want to be because yeah. he's been there for seven years and the team hasn't done, and he hasn't been given a, a full deck to play with. Blaschel hasn't by any stretch. No, but you know how this works, Scott, as soon as the fans start chanting and throwing jerseys on the ice and saying fire Blaschel, like, it's it's so it's disrespectful, hard. but I don't it's, mean the way, to laugh it's the way this works. It's, yeah, but it's yeah, that's the reality. And also, I mean, let's be honest. I'm just going here to my handy dandy Red Wings, a minus 71 goal differential. Like that's and that you know the it, again to me it's about it's not whether you win or lose at this stage. But the Red Wings again, you talk about false hope. I mean, I think. You know, I think for a lot of the first half of the season, we're, you know, we're talking about the kids there and Cider and who's going to win Rookie of the Year and so much optimism there. I mean, that team's not very good. And, and they've been embarrassed multiple times. And it's, it's, it's that you're minus 71. That, that's, you're, you're a terrible team. And, you know, the, the only, you know, it's a good thing that Philadelphia is in the same, uh, conference uh at that minus 75 although last night's uh nine was a nine one or nine two shellacking by the capitals uh didn't help that was but, so ugly by well, i mean that's right so Keith, to me it's about oh. to me, you have to look at how are teams you know what's the <clears throat> what's the trend down the stretch <clears throat> so detroit looks lost to me uh, Philly has been lost for a lot of the season and uh, I know the trades and the injury. I, I know all that stuff. You know what though? You're, you're often embarrassed and it was embarrassing for the Flyers last night. The Red Wings have frequently been embarrassed, you know, New Jersey and just, you know, Mike Yo is took over for Alain Vigneault, Blashill on the, you know, at the end of his current deal, they're both among the 11 coaches who don't have, co- you know, um, contract stability mm-hmm. moving forward. Uh, Lindy Ruff has another year in New Jersey, but, and even though they won last night against Arizona, I mean, New Jersey is another team that has just have not taken the step forward. Now they're a little bit better minus 44 goal differential, but you know, like to me, I would, I expected more from that New Jersey team and, you know, Lindy Ruff has another year left, but I, I think it's fair to ask what does Tom Fitzgerald do in the off season? with that devil's team moving forward. I talked to an NHL executive this week and he thought between six and eight coaching changes in the off season, which is, that would be a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you not see, I see parallels of the Dallas stars under Lindy Ruff and, and what's going on in New Jersey when he was a head coach. Like it's just too loose and you can't play like that. Like I know the game's faster and you sped up, but you have to play defense yeah. and that team, I, I, you can blame it on the goaltending all you want. But if you're just looking at the goaltending, we're not watching these games. Like Nico Dawes, that guy, I don't know how, how he held it together as long as he did, being a rookie in North America and playing that way. And finally, it caught up to him. Like yeah. that team sucks defensively. And I'd have real concerns there. 
Philly last night was the worst. I, and that was awful. The amount of times players were left open in front of the net. You're just giving TJ Oshie an open look. Like, are you serious, guys? Have some pride. Like, that's a team that healthy scratch Keith Yandel because they weren't good enough defensively with him in the lineup. And last night they lose nine to two. Okay. It's not Keith Yandel here. Like, like, listen, they put Ronnie Attard in from college, you know, and he's doing absolutely the best job he can, I'm sure. But, you're in the deep end without water wings, man. He was minus five last night. That's trial by fire. And if that's how you're trying to evaluate your prospects is to just chuck them into a bad environment like that. Oh, it's ugly. So um, <laughs> Did you, uh... I, I think I don't, I honestly, like I'm just saying, I don't see how Mike Gill comes back there. I don't, I think Philly's due for total house cleaning in all ways, shapes and form. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't know, you know, when a, I, like Chicago, it, it I, I can't see Derek King staying there. I'd be surprised. I mean, this, yeah. you know, he's kind of, he's kind of a Rockford guy through and through in the A, like his family's there. Like, I think he almost expects to head back there in some ways, but yeah. um, those are two that I think for sure. Like I, I can't see it in Philly. I can't see Chicago. I think there's changes for sure there. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's fascinating to me is Montreal, right? Like, I mean, do you get the sense that Marty St. Louis, is one going to want to come back and two, he has the open yeah. door to do so. I say a, the door will be open to him. Undoubtedly. I'd be shocked if he doesn't come back. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm not, don't profess to know it's in Marty's head. Mm-hmm. You know, we traded text, so I'm not going to overstate what sure. I may know about Marty St. Louis mindset now. My goodness. I, I think, you know, even though, Minus 87 in the gold differential for the Habs. Um, you know, there's a lot of work to do there. But like, honestly, I just get this sense of great enthusiasm around that team. And, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they've got a bunch of kids in there and everyone's getting a chance. And you, know, you look at Cole Caulfield and I, I just, I mean, I would be shocked if Marty St. Louis is not back. And I honestly think, like, I don't know, that's a big jump to get back up at in, in you know, the Atlantic is, that's a bear. Um Oof. But yeah, I, uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't come back. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, there's a lot of I mean, what happens with Carey Price, right? I mean, that's the, you know, Jake Allen now shut down for the rest of the season. It, you know, it's, it looks like Carey Price is going to get back and play some games, which is tremendous. Hope that he's in the right space to do so. And I assume there'll be some real frank discussions with um, Jeff Gordon and, and Kent Hughes in the hockey ops group in Montreal. Well, what's, What's the best for Carey Price moving forward? Um, and what's, you know, what, and how does that fit with what's best for the Montreal Canadiens? I'm just doing a quick look here on uh, Carey Price. Uh, where are we at here? He, 10.5. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of years left. 25, 26, <laughs> that deal ends. So yeah. there's a lot to, you know, and, and of course, he controls his own fate in Montreal, you know, with a no move, no trade clause. But at this stage, again, I don't know how, I don't, that's a big mouthful cap wise, but it is, you know, you, anyway. So, yeah. Well, I think the, yeah, the coaching thing's going to be real interesting. The other one I have my eye on is Winnipeg. Um, yep. Honestly, I'd love to see an inspired hire there. 
I think that team's been milk toast for too long. I, I like what Kevin Kevin Shovel Dayoff did this summer. I thought that he sped yeah. up the blue line, bolstered it. I, I and again, I had picked him as a Stanley Cup winner, but it hasn't worked. I wasn't going to mention that, but go ahead. Yeah, that's fine. I'll I'll, I'll eat crow any day. So um, <laughs> there's a lot. I, what I don't see, oddly enough, this year is I don't really see a top contending team moving on from a head coach. I don't see anybody that's really strong or in the playoff race going, we didn't get it done. We need big changes. This guy's out of here. And I thought for a while, the only one that I could view that as, I think Dallas still could be that with Rick Bonus. It depends whether they make it or not and how they do. And there was a moment where Vegas was really struggling that I wondered if DeBoer would be the fall guy if they didn't make it. But they've had so many injuries. And the fact that they're even still in the hunt is a huge credit, I think, to DeBoer and the rest of that staff. It's just the aggressiveness of that franchise that would have me kind of worried about it. Right. I'm with you on Dallas. To me, it's a got to make the playoffs. So and if you do, to me, it would be, you know, Rick Bonus. I think he's 62. What's what's. What does what does Rick Bonus want, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's a lifer, but at some point, it's that life come that life ends, and you do something else. So I think that would be the question there um, in Dallas. I think that's fair to, to wonder about. Here's the you know it's, we talk about these teams and make, you know what kind of changes might be. I would have to say, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but if you were if you were you know listing the available coaches right now. Um, then I would probably, my guess is that Rick talk, it's pretty near the top of that group. I know a lot of people have already assumed given his strong connection to Philadelphia and that organization, you go back there, man, if you're Rick Tockett though, you may have lots of options to, to go somewhere. Honestly, I know Winnipeg's not a favored destination. I would love to see Rick Tockett in Winnipeg, man. I, I just think that team would anyway, that I think yeah. that would be a great fit. So different market then. Well, let's not discount the fact that Rick Tockett is probably having a lot of fun on TV for TNT yeah, and making good money doing it. I mean, yeah. those, those jobs are, there's not many of them. We'll say that. So the <laughs> supply and demand of it, those are well-paid positions and that gives him the luxury to have the choice in what he wants to do. You know, does he want to, co- they all, everybody wants to coach again. Come on. Like if you're an NHL no coach, question. you want to coach again. We know yeah. that, but, but having a good gig, that's a layover. That's fun. Can buy you time to make the right decision. Yeah. You know, and you know, does Rick Tockett want to go to another team that's kind of rebuilding again? I mean, you know, Arizona wasn't a team that was a top end club. Like if I'm Rick Tockett, I want to wait for like, I'm just throwing this. I want to wait for like, you know, <laughs> maybe Washington to fire their coach or something, you know, or, or the Ray or Pittsburgh or like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm very much thinking out loud. I would want to go to a team that I think could contend right away. Okay. And I was, wasn't saying that to, to, you know, say those teams are going to lose anybody. No, Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, And it's a different, it's different when you look at other, like Bruce Boudreaux, man, he's a coach through and through. He wanted a coach period. Uh, you knew he was going to take it. And, and I think like even Boudreaux and Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton are very intriguing because neither of them have their contracts through next year. But how many times does a coach actually finish with a team and then go to another over a contract thing the next year? So I I see Woodcroft staying, I see Boudreaux staying. And I think that's both the right decision for those franchises. Um, 
But I have been a little bit intrigued that that hasn't been formalized. That has yeah. surprised me. So here, and here's the interesting thing about Vancouver. And again, you know, I've known Bruce a long time and I think what he's done in Vancouver, um, he, uh, the, if I understand the club has an option and if they don't exercise it, there's some sort of payment for Bruce, which, which is fair and good for him. I think Bruce also has an option to, to not return. So, I think I think there's some flexibility on both sides of that. I have to believe, given how well Vancouver has played, the kind of the turnaround there under Bruce that he has created, and you know, we talk. I, I think Rick Tockett is is the guy that you know will get a lot of attention for teams. But if Bruce is on the market, Bruce's stock is once again on on the rise. So here's the other thing about Vancouver. And I speak from no knowledge on this, but we do know the history. Patrick Alvine, the new GM there, Jim Rutherford, president of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, GM of a Pittsburgh team that went back to back in 16 and 17. Rick Tockett was on Mike Sullivan's staff there. Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine know Rick Tockett. So I guess I'm just saying, if... And the other thing about Vancouver with Bruce Boudreau, which is so fascinating because it usually happens the other way, is that Bruce got hired before the complete cleaning house of of the hockey ops um, management staff, right? So I guess I'm just saying, I'm with you, Mike. I'm surprised they haven't extended Bruce already in Vancouver. I think he's earned that. If he's not in Vancouver, I'm almost certain he'll be behind an NHL bench, but there are some interesting dynamics in Vancouver that you just don't know. Fair or not? I'll just say this. Think about if Vancouver doesn't bring Bruce Bruce Boudreaux back and next season starts poorly. Totally. And you've got a new coach involved and all of a sudden, oh, here we go again. You can't run that risk when you've got a guy who's made it work. I just don't think you can do that. I don't think, I think you look at the players in that room that have improved Pedersen, man, he, Elias Pedersen has been a horse the last couple weeks. I mean, God, he's he's fun to watch again. He's pounding home goals, a great hand, sick passes. Like, and he's not alone on that club. I don't see how you can throw that out the window if you're Patrick Alvin. So, I don't know. All right. You know what's you know what is uh not a risk ever, my friend, and that is getting some grub from DoorDash, mm-hmm. the proud sponsor of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Restaurants and more delivered right to your door. I I think of DoorDash uh, as we get closer to the playoffs because my sense is with multiple games every night, uh, it may be hard to get around to the cooking part of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually recently, um, I celebrated a birthday recently and, uh, Dude, no how, plan. How, how did we not know this? <laughs> Cause I don't advertise it, man. <laughs> it's on purpose. I don't, I don't, for some reason I don't like my birthday, but, uh, I I'm not 40 yet. I turned 39, but no plans were made for dinner. Um, so uh, I didn't make my own plans and ended up having, ended up door dashing some ramen from a favorite place in St. Louis. So hey. it all worked out. Did um, you get a candle in the ramen at least? <laughs> no, but I did get a, uh, 
I did get my favorite dessert. My wife made a macadamia nut brownie with creme anglaise and ice cream and hot fudge. And it's actually a dessert I had in Omaha, Nebraska, years and years ago during a training camp. And I'll never forget it because I thought it was the greatest thing I ever ate. Well, it's it's still right up there. So um, didn't have dinner, but I had to get a proper dessert. And yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, it's funny, Scott, there's something about birthdays, man. Like I just, I don't know. Every time I get the old hope all as well, it just makes me cringe. So I try to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> well, belated happy birthday to you. my friend. Thank you. I, I hope at some point, maybe during a final or draft in Montreal or whatever, we'll get to, celebrate uh, your birthday in in person that'd be good um, you know you know who was celebrating last night number one overall draft pick owen power of the buffalo sabers yeah, yeah. how much First fun is game that? in the nhl in your hometown in toronto <laughs> i mean in uh what what is now scotia bank arena I lose track of the branding rights on these things because I was drafted in the Air Canada Center and and that was 2002. And that's what I remember it as. Yeah, I spent Um, a lot of time in AAC. So, yes. Right. ACC. Yeah, ACC. So, first off, Buffalo wins and they trounce Toronto. Craig Anderson gets another victory. Uh, And I'll be interested to see if he's up for another season. I know Buffalo would like to have him back. We'll see. Uh, But, you know, Power was played 19 minutes. He killed penalties, and that one I surprised me. Okay, I thought he'd play power play. I didn't expect him to kill penalties. He killed penalties, um, plus two in the game. Like I'm just reading off the stat sheet, but like watching him was, it was what I expected. Yeah, it's a lot of vision. It's a lot of heads up plays. He fit, and and this is different than some college players that come. Even like you can take a Hobie Baker winner and put him in the NHL, and they can look lost. Yeah, there's different dynamics involved. And I, I think for defensemen coming out of college, you're more likely to see success than you are forwards a lot of the time. You know, you get an older D, a little bit more mature uh, than a major junior, but, you know, power's 20. So this isn't like yeah. he, he's old at all. I was really impressed. And I'd scouted him a bit this year uh, for a couple of pieces I was doing and, and thought, yeah, I think his game's going to transfer to pro. Well, it looked like it last night. And again, who knows what it'll be, but 19 minutes, well done at home. Just a great score, story, Scott. Like, did, did you see the crowd of his family and friends? Like, yeah. I don't know. I hate to think of the cost, knowing how much tickets are for Toronto games and oh, the yeah. strings he must have pulled to get all those people in there. But so it's such a great, yeah, it's great so to watch a I, like that. I had a moment in Toronto talking about the cost of tickets. Yeah. My first year when I was with Tampa Bay, we showed up in Toronto and my brother-in-law was going to school at Niagara university, not to play hockey mind you. He's went yeah. there and he and his friend wanted to come to Toronto to see the game. And I was backing up for Tampa. And I was like, Oh, Hey, sure. I'll, I'll grab you some tickets. Well, I also didn't know that we had to pay for tickets on the road in college and junior in the American league and the minors, like your team gets two tickets a player. They just hand them out. Well, in the NHL on the road, the players have to pay for the tickets at home. You get two complimentary. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll buy my, buy them two tickets. You know, I'm rich now I'm in the NHL. What what does it matter? I'm going to go buy a Mercury Mariner at the end of the season. Um, So I go tell our, our team services guy, okay, I need two, please. And he's like, okay, here's your options. And the lower bowl options were like three fifty a pop, and the upper bowl options, I think, were like one seventy or one eighty a piece. Yeah. 
And so I got two of the cheap seats at 170. And I saw him afterwards. I was like, man, like, where were your seats? He's like, we could touch the ceiling. <laughs> like, he, so the cheapest seat in the house in Toronto was like 170 bucks against us in Tampa, who were terrible at the time. And he could touch the ceiling. Oh, what a what a welcome to the NHL moment. You know, like oh that God. was actually a pretty big financial hit. Like I paid yeah. as much for those tickets as I was making a year and a half before in the ECHL in a week, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> That's glorious. I'm sure your brother-in-law like, what? I thought you were in the NHL. What am I doing? I don't think I told him how much they were. I, I don't think I ever had the heart to tell him what they cost. I think my, like my wife might've, um, but I couldn't do it, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you, like, I'm curious. I mean, the whole college to NHL landscape is, is different in whether, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Owen Powers is number one overall pick, but this is the time of year at the end of the college hockey season and free agents are getting signed. And it's a perfect way for, you know, to me, the, it, you know, over the last decade, maybe it's the last 15 years, that's real. You know, if you're an NHL team, and if you're a scout, that's where you really earn your chops is that finding players coming out of the college ranks who don't cost you. I mean, they cost you the contract, but they don't cost you assets. It's, it's found money if you do it properly. And like, that's the, that's, it's a, it's a gold mine. If you, if you're doing your job properly to get these players to, to fill out, you know, whether they step right in at the end of a regular season, like now, whether they play in the American Hockey League next year, but whatever part of your organization, it's critical that you can find these players at the collegiate level and bring them along. I assume mm-hmm. it's probably different than, you know, like, do, what, do you remember what it was like at the end of your college career? And were there guys going? Like how much different, how different is it now? It's the landscape is just night and day different from what it was when I came out in 2005 and for a lot of different reasons. And the first one for myself was that we were coming out of the 045 lockout and teams just weren't spending money. You know, teams were rolling with four goalies under NHL contracts, not five, not six. So um, that's the infamous Nashville signed Pekka Rene and not me thing, you know, where in today's world, I'm actually pretty confident I would have at least gotten an American league deal from Nashville or something and started in the coast or whatever. Um, it's just different in that way, but you know, uncovering free agents that you can get is, is critical for teams. And, but what's interesting in two different aspects is that, you know, now these players will sign contracts and burn a year right off the bat because they want to get to free agency quicker and they're betting on themselves. And boy, I would have never had the guts to do that. It's such a dangerous road. Like it works for some players, but for every player that it's been good, I've seen players just fall off the wagon and they're gone. You don't see them again after a year because yeah. you basically get one year to prove yourself in the American hockey league Yeah, on this deal. And if you don't make it happen, you might get an RFA year and you're out of there. And that's, that's scary business. So that's something that's happened. And you see teams take different looks at like some are willing to burn contract, burn a year. Some don't want to, some teams will dangle a player. That's a draft pick of theirs and playing collegiately. And by the way, college is now 33%. That's a third of the league in the NHL. It's more than it's ever been. But yeah. they'll dangle NHL games at the end of the season to get them to sign. Yeah. If you come out now, we will give you NHL games. We will make your dreams come true. But you have to it's burn not, a year. It's hard to, turn, have, hard to turn away from that. It is. And you have to, but you have to burn a year 
on your entry level contract to do it. And that's a huge gamble. So um, that's one of those things that is interesting. The other aspect is, and this is really ramped up in the last couple of years is there's a real fear of play of collegiate draft picks being a flight risk. And what I mean by that is that they get done with their four years and teams have until I believe it's August 15th. Uh, don't quote me on the exact date, yeah. but that summer to sign their NCAA draft picks or else they become unrestricted free agents. Right. Well, Jimmy VC did this several years ago, refused to sign with Nashville, wanted to call his shot. He was too good for there or whatever. I don't know what his reasoning was. Honestly, I hated it. I thought it was just, I thought it was incredibly um, self-righteous in some way. You know, you've got a team that's invested all this in you. That's a good franchise and they're not good enough for you. You want to go play somewhere else? All right, dude. But I'm sure he could give me a better reason and I'd actually like to really hear it someday. Yeah. But players don't do this in the media. They just, this is why we get innuendo and this is why we make assumptions, but there's been a full court press to sign your NCAA draft picks after their sophomore junior year now, yeah, because you don't want to lose them to free agency. And it used to be that these players probably wouldn't get signed. You know, they were good college players, but they knew they the teams knew they weren't quite ready, so they were willing to let them go the full years, full, full four years, sign them at the end, and whatever. Yeah. That's not like that anymore. You know, you need to protect your asset, so you pull them out early, you put them in the American Hockey League, and and it's worked for some. Um, but I really don't like the dynamic. You know, coming from, for being a college guy who really yeah. valued four years of school, having a degree, I wasn't a blue chip prospect. I don't, but I don't like the pressure it puts on the player to sign early. Yeah, and I. I just think the system's broken that way and I don't have a good answer for it, yeah. but even the people I talk to in player development and scouting that deal with these players, they're uneasy about it. I don't think they like it. I don't think teams really like it because the players may not quite be ready for the NHL or pro, but you got to protect your assets, Scott. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's the balance, right? Between, I mean, this is a long time ago, but I remember, you know, Carolina, you, you know, uh, uh, Jack Johnson wasn't ready to come out and didn't want to leave early that, you know, I mean, there's a balance. You want the player to learn. You want the control that you would have if they're in your system playing mm-hmm. your style. Like it was interesting, you know, again, talking to Todd McClellan, you know, how the Kings farm team, they use the same language. They use the same structure so that there's plug and play. When you bring a player up, if the kid's still at, Harvard or BU or whatever, you don't have that kind of control, but I'm with you. And it's interesting. Again, you mentioned Rich Peverly, who's director of player personnel for the stars, but I remember talking to Rich about that, you know, his job, which before he got this promotion, it was, it was straight player development. And so he was talking to their college kids and their junior kids. And part of it had, you had to have a relationship with the college coach so you could go and have you know, that you could, you could make sure that the development was going the right way where, where you don't really have the control that you do if they're playing in Texas, right. In, right. in Austin. So it is a balancing thing, but, and, and they're kids still, right. I know they're older than the junior kids, but they're still really young men. And you're, you're right, Mike, a lot of them aren't ready for that precipitous step from mm-hmm. D D one to play in, NHL or even in in the AHL. So it is. And, you know, take this a step further and look at this year's Hobie Baker winner is Dryden McKay, a goaltender at Minnesota state who went to the finals. And 
I mean, this guy's numbers are insane. hundred and something wins, I think 30 plus shutouts, won the Hobie Baker first time since our friend Ryan Miller won it as a goaltender. It's only happened three times in history for it. And he hasn't signed anywhere. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to with an NHL contract because he's small and he's old. You know, he's 5'11", maybe, maybe six foot and he's 24. And yeah. I'm like, you guys are nuts, man. Goalies don't hit their prime until 28, 29, 30, 31. Like I played my best hockey in my thirties. I can safely say that, that I played my best hockey in my thirties yeah. and I'm not alone. Um, but this is what you run into, right? Especially with goaltenders is if they don't have the size, if they don't have the name and, and part of it is that he was really well insulated. That team was phenomenal defensively. So his numbers look inflated, but yeah, it's funny how teams will pull out their draft picks. No problem. Like guy has an okay year, sign him. Goaltender wins a Hobie Baker award. It's historic. And the dude can't get a deal. He may have to go to Europe or get an American league contract. I mean, I'm hoping somebody gives him an NHL deal just to yeah. reward what he did and see what he can do. And he's, yeah. and full disclosure, he's a fellow. I've never met Dryden before, yeah. but he's a fellow Springfield junior blues alumni of the North American hockey league, who I will be go. going to play an alumni game in this coming Saturday, the 16th in Springfield, Illinois. And I'm going to attempt not to hurt myself. Nice. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I am, you know, like it's every couple months I get a chance to still play goalie and it's got to be the right setting, Scott. Yeah. You know, it's got to be a charity event or an alumni event. Uh, it's got to be worthwhile. It's not beer league. Otherwise I play forward. So it's very fun for me. All right. Um, What do you got? We're going to close it out here. We're going to talk about teams who are not playing all that well, maybe in the Eastern conference, but uh, listen, I'm going to say whatever you like, what you got the, you have the floor. You got something that's on your mind before we uh, close things out this week. When we come back next week, yeah, we'll be, we're going to be this close to the playoffs. Yes, very much so. I think by next week's taping, we're going to have a very good idea of what the landscape's going to look like. Um, I've got two things, and especially from the East. I know everybody's been saying, well, Tampa hasn't played well, and what's with them? It's only because we're used to domination from that team. They're fine. Okay. Watch, just watch Braden Point. God, he's dynamic. He's so good, man. Like, they're fine. Okay. But Pittsburgh is kind of worrying me. And yeah. Pittsburgh's a team that I picked a couple of weeks ago. I thought, man, they're, they've got all the juice. They played well without Crosby and Malkin for a lot of the year. Now they're hitting their stride. And, you know, like I, I, I kind of starting to think that Ron Hextall didn't do enough at the trade deadline to keep up with the Rangers and these other teams that really bulked up. Like Raquel's been good for them. It's been in spurts. I had a piece on daily Faceoff about his playmaking yes. ability and what he's done with them. But I don't know, man. I'm worrying about Pittsburgh and now you're interjecting goalie into the mix. Like Jari's lost five straight to Smith won two in a row. So he gets to play again. Like I'm worried about the stability there, even though Crosby is playing some of the best hockey of his career. And yeah. I mean, the frustration came through with Malkin, like he's yeah. gone now for, like, Scott, this, is, well, this is bad, Scott. It's yeah. bad. You can't have your best players being suspended like that in the stretch run, man. Well, and for a guy who missed so much of the time of the season with an injury, and again, you go back to Raquel is you're trying to forge some sort of chemistry with these new parts. And now your Hall of Fame, you know, your other Hall of Fame center is, you know, four games. He missed the first one. They lost to the Islanders in the shootout. Shootout, I think. But anyway, mm-hmm. lost to the Islanders. 
Yeah. And in fact, they could, you know, Washington was a team that we have talked about quite a bit, eh, you know, sort of, I, I, and I, of course, at one point, I can't remember some radio interview somewhere said that Washington was by far the low, the, you know, the eighth place team by points, but also level of play in the Eastern conference. Well, the caps are absolutely on fire. Now they could actually catch Pittsburgh. Um, you know, they got some games in hand points are there. It's they not inconceivable. Pittsburgh. Yep. Yeah. Drop Pittsburgh into that second wildcard spot, uh, set up an interesting, uh, Washington Ranger. I still think the Rangers finish in second after losing to Carolina last night. So what a great series that would be Washington Rangers, but I'm with you penguins. Not a great time for Malkin to have done that. That's just the bottom no. line. It's not. And you can't be missing your best players at this time, you know, yeah. and I think there's a fear of that even amongst top teams that have repeat offenders, like the NHL is handing out decent supplementary discipline. And I think they're totally. going to keep doing it in playoffs, which I think is good. And totally. you can't be missing. You got You got to look at Kadri we're straight in the eye and Marshawn straight in the eye. And you got to say, guys, we need you to play to the limit. We need you to toe that line. Like you always do, but you can't go over it because we need you. Yeah. Because it's just too close amongst these teams, Scott. Yeah. It is really top. It is really, really close at the top end of the league. Yeah. No, it is. All right. All right, my friend. Outstanding work as always. Um, time flies when we do this, but uh, have a great week. Let's do it again a week from now. I can't wait because we are going to have plenty to talk about that's if these tornadoes avoid st louis so yeah, uh, heads up safe. heads up in the midwest and the south today on wednesday if you're listening uh it's going to be a nasty one so good good work like you as always scott we will talk okay. again next week all right stay safe my friend thanks for listening to the suitcase and the scribe a member of the nation network of podcasts and delivered by doordash make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.